Um, to Isaiah chapter 32. <clears throat> uh, this morning, I, I really don't have too much to say. And every time I say that, I end up talking for an hour. So, <laughs> forgive me. I don't feel like I have that much to say. I do feel like I have a couple things I want to get through here. We're probably going to hang out in Isaiah chapter 32 for the next couple weeks. So, during this week, if you want to, while you're just like, you know, reading your Bible or whatnot, if you want to, just why don't you camp out in Isaiah 32? It's really good. And then you'll be ready for next week. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about the flow of the kingdom, okay? The kingdom of heaven has a flow. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So why don't, we, um, why don't we look at some scripture this morning? We're going to read the first eight verses. If you found your way to Isaiah 32. After Psalms, before Jeremiah. All right. I like reading off the screen. It makes me feel like I'm one of you. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 1. See... A king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storms, like streams of water in the desert land. In the desert and, man, these, I can never read. And the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The minds of the rash will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. For the fool speaks folly, his mind is busy with evil. He, he, yeah, technology. All right, I'm going back. For the, for the fool speaks folly, his mind is busy with evil. He practices ungodliness and spreads error concerning the Lord. The hungry he leaves empty, and from the thirsty he withholds water. The scoundrel's methods are wicked. He makes up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. But the noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. That almost sounds like a song, doesn't it? noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands sounds like poetry or something yeah why don't we uh, why don't we just pray for a second father would you help us with your word this morning god would you would you give us a spirit of revelation in the room beyond uh god a a spirit of revelation beyond um, what we've learned in the past god but but of, of of newness god we ask that that this morning that your word would be manna and it would be life to us amen amen all right so isaiah 32 here's what we've got um this is this is really common within the within the old testament prophets but a a lot in this section is is another example of it but prophecy within the old testament prophets and this is a perfect example is a lot like good cake and what I mean by that is it's layered. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever eat those cakes that are like nine layers deep? Okay. Yeah, this, this prophetic word that we just read this morning is it's like good cake. It's, it's, it, there's many layers to it. And, and the first layer on this, uh, most biblical scholars agree that Isaiah was prophesying during the time of King Ahaz. So if you go to 2 Kings, turn to about chapter 16, you'll read about evil King Ahaz, okay? So Isaiah right now is probably 
this prophetic word, he probably prophesied it during the time of King Ahaz, which is 2 Kings chapter 16. But he's prophesying it about the king that will come, and he's prophesying it about King Hezekiah. Anybody remember Hezekiah? No. Okay, well then you got more homework this week. You need, to, you need to check it out. 2 Kings chapter 18. I'll give you a second to write that down. This week, go and, go and read, about, read about King Hezekiah. Starts in 18 and goes to about 2021, 20, okay? All right, at this time, Israel is, Israel is not a united nation. There's two nations. Israel is to the north with ten tribes, and then in the south, there's Judah, okay? And so Judah is where, is where the capital, which is Jerusalem, was at. And Hezekiah was a righteous king. In fact, the Bible says about Hezekiah that he was the most righteous king that Judah ever had. All right, and I want to I tell you, I want to read just a little scripture out of 2 Kings chapter 18. Let's look at uh, verses 3 through 7. Um, yeah, it says, this is, this, is what, this is what was written about Hezekiah, chapter 18, 3 through 7. It says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, he smashed the sacred stones, and he cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pizzas, in, into pieces, the, he broke into pizzas. <laughs> he did that too. I can't talk this morning, you guys. I took three weeks off and I'm jacked. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made, for up to that time Israelites had been burning incense to it. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands of the Lord, he kept the commands the Lord had given to Moses, and the Lord was with him, and he was successful in everything that he undertook. It's kind of a good word, isn't it? You know one of the goals of my life? One of the goals of my life is to have that written about me in heaven. Okay? I, I read stuff like that and I'll go, oh, God, I, I, want, I, want, I want in the annals of heaven, I want four lines like that, you know? It's really not the word this morning, but it's free. Yeah, so this, this prophecy that we've, re- that we've read in, in Isaiah chapter 32, it's like layered cake. And the first layer is, is Isaiah is prophesying during the time of King Ahaz, but he's prophesying about Hezekiah, and he's prophesying that a righteous king will come to, the, will, will come to power and that he will rule in righteousness. And that's what we just read about Hezekiah. There was no one like him either before him or after him. And I want you to notice that Hezekiah wasn't just, he wasn't just righteous because he, because, he, because he smashed all of the idol worship in the land. But he was a man of discernment. Did you notice that one little line in 2 Kings that said that he, that he took the golden snake that Moses had fashioned and he broke it into pizzas? I'm just kidding. Broke it into pieces. Um, did you guys notice that? Now, that what, what we can find from that is this, is that Hezekiah was a man of discernment. Okay, So imagine this. God tells Moses to make a golden snake because the people are getting bit by snakes and getting killed. Y'all remember that story in, in Numbers? Okay, God tells Moses to make it. They keep it, okay? If it happened to you, you would have kept it, right? If, every, if all of your brothers and sisters are getting eaten up by snakes, Moses gets a snake and says, everyone look at the snake and then we'll be, we'll be set free and you'll be healed. If that happened, you'd keep the snake, right? Okay, here's what happens. They kept the snake, but after some time, they began to worship what? The darn snake! And they missed the God who was trying to save them. And so what we find out about Hezekiah is this, is he's not just a guy who is, is out to rid the land of idols, but he's also a man of discernment, and he realizes that even within the house of the Lord, that people had begun to place their affections in an area 
that was leading them away from the Lord, even though it was directly tied into their history. So imagine this. He's a man of discernment, but he's not just a man of discernment. He's a man of, he's a man of like strength. Can you imagine being the guy who makes that decision? Like we've had the snake for hundreds of years. We've had the snake since our father Moses. And you go into the temple, you grab the snake, you break the snake. Probably, an un, probably lots of people were unhappy about it. It's like, well, we've always had it, you know. Well, we've always done it that way. Those people, the people who are always upset about always doing it that way, they would have been very unhappy with the snake being broken into pizzas. I'm just kidding. And even though we've just spent five minutes talking about Hezekiah, this morning it's really not even about Hezekiah. I just want to point out that the scripture here is multi-layered. So Isaiah prophesies, and when he's prophesying, he's prophesying to a certain people, and he's prophesying about one that would come, a king that would come and that would reign in righteousness. But beyond Hezekiah, who is this passage pointing to? I mean, I could probably go ask the kids in Sunday school. They could give me this answer, right? It's looking to the Lord Jesus, okay? A king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. So we're looking to a time that's, that's beyond Hezekiah, and we're looking into the coming Messiah, that being Jesus. And by the way, Jesus has come, all right? And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about kingdom flow, okay? The flow of the kingdom, the way the kingdom of heaven works. Um, <clears throat> to begin with, I want to say this. I want to say that we here at the Vineyard, we're, we're a kingdom people. And what I mean by that is this. It's that the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, which is the gospel that Jesus preached. He preached no other gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of heaven, it influences, it animates all of our theology and all of our practices here at the Vineyard. Okay, so we're a kingdom people. If, if you were to ask me, what are you at the Vineyard? I would tell you really easy. It's just that we're a kingdom people. We, we are... We are, we, are, we are always tied to the fact that there is a king in heaven and that there's, that there's a kingdom that flows from, from his rulership. And so in order to have a kingdom, the most essential part is there has to be a king. There can't be a kingdom unless there is a king. You know what I'm talking about? And, and one of the things that the, that the prophet is trying to uh, get us to see this morning is that there is a king in heaven. And that the king in heaven is a king who will rule with righteousness. And he's talking about the Lord. Now, righteousness is one of those really stuffy, somewhat hard... I could, I've only learned how to spell righteous in like the last six months. I'm a terrible speller. Um, Hannah and Heather have to help me spell everything. Hannah can spell anything. I, I can ask Hannah how to spell anything, and she always spells it right, and my spell checker never comes up red. I, I'm always blown away. I, I sometimes yell down the hall on Thursdays, how do you spell this? And type it out, and it's perfect. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, in general, if you're in a room and you don't know how to spell a word, just ask Hannah. If she's there, it'll come out right. Um, but yeah, righteousness, righteousness is one of these kind of like, I, I have all, I've been spelling this word wrong for 31 years. And it's kind of a stuffy word that we only use in church. I mean, anybody ever, I mean, you know, I think maybe during Bill and Ted days, people used to say, righteous dude, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, apart from Bill and Ted, I can't ever remember the word righteous being used outside of church. Does anyone here? I mean, because I'll give $5 to the person who could give me an example of righteous outside of the church apart from Bill and Ted. 
All right, Holly, I owe you five bucks. Yeah, but right, righteous just means this. It just means right ways, okay? So when, when, the, when the prophet says in, the, in verse 1 that there's going to be a king, and it's, he's talking about the Lord, when he's talking about there's going to be a king and he's going to rule with righteousness, what he's getting at is there's going to be a king and he's going to rule in the right kind of way. And the right kind of way meaning the right kind of way for everyone. Have you ever noticed, have you guys ever noticed that, that let me put it this way. Have you noticed that disillusionment with our government is growing like the grass right now? Can I tell you why, can I tell you why that is happening? And it, it, here's the deal. It has, it has nothing to do with Barack Obama because disillusionment was growing like, like the grass when, when President Bush was in office. It's not a Republican or Democrat issue. Can I tell you what the issue is? It's, the issue is this, is that most of our leaders have lost sight of ruling with right ways in mind. See, that's what it is. It's just that, it's just that, and when that happens, disillusionment comes in. But the prophet says, hey, there's going to be a king who's going to come, and he's going to rule with right ways, and he's going to rule with an eye on everyone, and he's going to look for the best thing for every person out there. That's good news. Hmm. Yeah, so that's what happens when, when the king of heaven... When the kingdom of heaven breaks out, what's actually breaking out is it's that God's presence is among us. Anytime God's presence is among us, he sets things to right. You can, you can read it through the Gospels like this. Um, Jesus, would be, uh, Jesus would be hanging out with his disciples. He'd be walking along, and a, a guy with leprosy, it's Mark chapter 1, a guy with leprosy comes and falls at Jesus' feet and says, Hey, Jesus, if you're willing, would you make me clean? Jesus just puts his hand out and says, I'm willing, be clean. What just happened there? See, that man's life got set back to right. Can you see that? See, that's what righteousness is. It's taking someone out of a toxic situation and getting rightness put back in their life, whether that has to do with physical healing, whether it has to do with the, the internal workings of the heart, whether that has to do with social status and standing. God wants to come and make things right. So when his kingdom is among us, things are getting set right. But here's what I want us to see this morning. is that the kingdom of heaven has flow and that it begins with the Lord, but it doesn't stay there. Look at verse 1. It says, See, a king will reign in righteousness... That doesn't surprise anyone. This is, this is the epicenter. This is the fountain from which everything flows. And where does it immediately flow onto? See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Guess who the rulers are? Guess who the rulers are? <clears throat> See, every king has a council, right? Every king has a council. Every president has a what? Cabinet. Every CEO has what? Vice presidents. Every father has what? Sons that he makes mow the grass. <laughs> see, when I, was, when I was growing up, see, I was, I, was, I was a part of my dad's presidential council cabinet. <laughs> and I was, and, and yeah, I was, I was the secretary of the lawn and weed eating. So whatever, whatever, was, whatever needed to be mown or weed eating, that was my responsibility. 
And in fact, like if I went out and got in trouble, I remember, oh man, I went out and, I don't know, I was probably 17 and that was when I was somewhat rebellious. I, didn't, I never went completely crazy rebellious, but I went about six months and I got, I got plum stupid. And um, yeah, I remember coming home one night from being stupid. I really won't go into that, but other, suffice it to say, um, my title is Secretary of the Lawn. It got expanded to Secretary of the Acres. <laughs> and so I was weed-eating our entire fen- fence line. We're talking about fence rows that had never been weed-eated. We're talking about the kind of fence rows that had uh, poison ivy growing on top of the poison oak, you know? You know, yeah. Yeah, but... So, see, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. See, every king has, has a council. Every king has a court. Every president has a cabinet. Every CEO has vice presidents. Every family has children. And, and so one of the things that I want us to see this morning is that the kingdom of heaven has flow. The kingdom of heaven, its source it belongs in the Lord. Righteousness, goodness, right ways for everyone begins with the Lord, but then he soon propagates that out to his rulers and he, Isaiah is prophesying that there will be a day when a king will rule with righteousness and his rulers will rule with justice. And by the way, I want to really make this clear. The rulers are me and you. You and I. I can't talk. <clears throat> this is what, uh, I just want to, just to drive this home, uh, a couple of scriptures. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we're, we're called to be right there with him. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. This is, this is part of the song that the elders sing back to the Lord. And in uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, it says, they, they begin to sing to the Lamb. They sing, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests, to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth who's he talking about talking about us okay so the kingdom of heaven has flow the fountain the fountain and the source begins with the lord but the lord has surrounded himself with co-captains and he has surrounded himself with a cap uh, with with a cabinet and he's surrounded himself with with vice presidents and by the way that's us so a king will reign with righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. So what ends up happening is this. Kingdom values are created, established, and ordered by the king, and then they're exercised by his rulers. And this is the way Jesus did ministry. Jesus gathered his disciples to him, and one of my one of my passages that I, that I'll never get over in my entire life is Matthew chapter ten. It's one of my it's one of my life passages with the Lord. And in Matthew chapter ten, Jesus draws the twelve to him. He brings the twelve around him and he says, "Hey guys, I want you to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, preach the good news. Freely you've received, now freely give." What's the point? They come to the king, they spend time with the king, and then they go out and they exercise the kingdom values that they've learned from the king in actual space, in actual life. And so what we see here, and even in Isaiah chapter 32, is we see a prophetic picture of what our life is called to be like. A king will reign with righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice, okay? So this is what the picture is. There's a king, 
And some of you guys, we've all watched enough movies. That we've all at least seen Lord of the Rings. So we've, we, we've seen enough movies to know how this works. A king has a court, okay? And he has a chamber and he sits on a throne. And if he's, and if he's nice, he might have an extra throne there for the queen. So they sit there. And then around them, they have their courts. And what goes on in there? Well, decisions are made. The business of the kingdom goes on. And, and for the most part, the king, for the most part, doesn't leave his courts. He has his advisors around him. They come in. The king shares with his advisors and his co-captains his heart, and then his co-captains go out and extend the kingdom. It's a prophetic picture. It's a prophetic picture. It's, it's, it's the way that we live life. We come into the courts. We come into his presence. We, we find a way uh, in our normal life to find the Lord, to meet with him, to capture his heart. And in the moment that we capture his heart, we have to realize that we didn't just, we didn't just get goosebumps and warm fuzzies, but we actually just grabbed a mission. Because when we get something from the Lord, it's his intention that we take it out of his courts and extend it into his kingdom. He wants to extend his kingdom. It's a prophetic picture. We come in. See, see, there's a lot of people who all they really want to do is they want to come into the inner courts. They want to come into intimacy. They want to come into the, into the chambers of the Lord. They want to come in. They want to get revelation. They want to get his heart. They want to find the Lord. They want to know him. They want to love him. They want to, they want to, they want to experience his presence. They want to know his goodness. They want to eat his food. But they never want to leave and they never want to extend his kingdom. Then there are other people who are always wanting to extend the kingdom, but unless you've spent time with the kingdom, unless you've spent time with the king in intimacy, you have nothing to extend. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. See, people, here's the deal. We're called to know the king and to extend righteousness and justice. See, in the Psalms it says that the Lord's throne... The foundations of his throne are righteousness and justice. These are the things that we're called to. And I'm mixing stuff up. Yeah, we're called to do both. We're called to come in. We're called to have contact. We're called to engage the Lord in intimacy. And then we're called to go out and enforce what we've gathered from him. Kingdom flow begins with the king. We have contact with the king. We become rulers and enforcers of his kingdom paradigm. But then the kingdom flow goes a, ver- goes a step further. Look at verse 2. It says, And each man, and he's talking about the rulers here, And each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock, in a thirsty land. Verse 2 is what it looks like when the righteousness of the king flows beyond his courts. <clears throat> How many of you guys like storms? You don't like storms? I love storms. I, it, let me ask you this, though. How, how many of you that like storms, <clears throat> when a storm happens, your immediate reaction is to go jump outside leave your house, and go into the storm. I, see, I go to my porch. Okay? Anybody in here want to just take off into the storm? Just... Any, any takers on that? Kevin does. Awesome, that's great. Anybody in here like strong wind? You might like strong wind. 
Anybody go running out into the strong wind? Anybody like, what about microbursts? I, I don't even know what that means, but apparently they're real. Do you guys remember the movie gallery? Apparently it was blown over by a microburst. Do you guys remember that whole scenario? I still laugh about it. I know somebody got hurt, so it's not, I'm not laughing at the people who got hurt. But just the whole scenario that surrounded it was hilarious. There was a carnival in the Big Lots parking lot with a Ferris wheel. And mobile home trailers, you know? Apparently the microburst hit the movie gallery and blew it down without touching the Ferris wheel or the mobile home trailers from the carnival. I still don't understand that. I want to see that. I'm not saying I want people to get hurt. Anybody in here like lightning? Hmm. Hmm. I love lightning. But I'll have to say, when it comes to storms, wind, and lightning, I like all of them, but I don't know about you, but lightning scares the crap out of me. Is it, I mean, is it you guys? Like, I, I'm that guy, I'm that guy that if I'm outside and I'm not on my porch, if it begins to pop with lightning, I'm the guy who's doing this, you know, like crawling on the ground. I, I just feel like it's definitely coming for me. In general, I have this feeling that it's coming for me. It's, it's delusional, I know, I can't help it. I've asked the Lord to deliver me. Um, there have been a couple times when I've been out like mowing the back 40 on, my, on the mower and it'll, you know, a, you know, it'll start its thing and I can't get to the barn quick enough, you know. I'm ready to, to jump off the mower and just crawl through the grass. But here's what I want you to see. See, when the king reigns in righteousness and the rulers rule with justice, each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. See, here's the deal. In the world, people seek refuge from the storm. In the kingdom, you are a refuge from the storm. It's, it's like totally different. See, like I go out and it starts raining and I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it raining. I just want to get under my porch. In the kingdom of heaven, I'm called to be the porch. Everybody see that? If you want to know how to extend righteousness and justice into the world, it comes by realizing that you're not called to run away from the world's problems. You're called to go straight at them and be the solution. Okay, that's my nugget. Yeah, we're called to be shelters from the storm. We're called to be... We're, we're called to be places of refuge for refugees. Um, and when I was reading this passage this week, I just started thinking about Bear Grylls. You guys ever watch that guy? I mean, I think half of it's fake, but I just, I, I, I don't let myself go there because it just ruins it for me. I love that guy. He can take his pocket knife and somehow cut down trees. I have no idea how he does it. It's, you've seen him, right? He's got like that 10-inch Bowie knife thing, and he will cut a tree down, and in the middle of the Amazon, he will make a shelter. And I really, the one I liked, I watched this one episode, he makes a shelter, you know, take, he cuts down trees with his pocket knife, and he finds vines, and he ties the, the trees together, and he makes a platform, and then he finds these banana leaves, and he makes a canopy, and he's sitting under there, and it starts pouring down rain, and then somehow, he builds a fire on, on the platform he just made, and sleeps there all night. I, I'm, this guy is unbelievable, you know? has nothing to do with the message other than that. It's just what I was thinking about this week. <laughs> no joke. I just, you know. 
Yeah, but we're called, we're called to be like, we're called to be like Bear grills. you know? We just, we see, that, we see that people are incredibly jacked up and we're not called to run away from them. We're called to run right to them and realize that, like, you know, some of us feel like, gosh, I don't have any tools. All I have is this one tool. I've got one tool, you know? But in the spirit, it's like a 10-inch buoy knife, you know? And you don't realize you can actually cut the trees down and around you some vine that you can tie together and you can end up making a shelter for, some, for someone. Not just yourself, but for someone else. So one of the words I had for the church this morning is that most of us in the room are way more equipped than we think we are. And we're called to extend righteousness and justice. Um, one of the things, there's two things that keep us from from moving into being the kind of people who are sheltered from the wind and refuge from the storms. There's two main things. There's probably a hundred, but there's two on my list, so that's what we're going to go with. But there's, there's two main things. And, and the things that will keep us from being sheltered from the storm and, and refuge for people in need of refuge, those things are fear and love of comfort. Yeah, see, it's like I told you guys, like, the, the, I don't mind the rain, I don't mind the wind, but the lightning freaks me out. That's what puts me on the porch. Um, I remember when I was in high school, we took this uh, missions trip to Jamaica. And while we were in Jamaica, it, it, it came a monsoon. It was, it was an un, the hardest rain I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, we just decided we would just take a shower out in it, you know. We were out there with our shampoo and stuff. See, I, I don't mind the wind. I don't mind the rain. It's the, it's the lightning that freaks me out. It's what keeps me on the porch. See, it's, it's, the, it's fear. Most, most, the, the thing that keeps us from being a refuge, the thing that keeps us from being a porch for the people around us, for the most part, is fear. I know that's what it is in my life. It's fear. But then right along to it, right along, right next to it, a uh, close number two, is it's just love of comfort. See, here's the deal. It's, it's much more comfortable to sit under the porch than to be a porch. Just get around a few crazy people and find out. It's much easier to sit under the porch than it is to be the porch. And one of the things the Lord wants to do this morning is He wants to set people free from fear and an unkingdom love for comfort. See, the kingdom flow begins with the king. He reigns in righteousness. His rulers rule with justice. And each man will be a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Not only that, but, but his rulers would be like streams of water in the desert and a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. All that means is we'll be, we'll be water and we'll be shade. Uh, anybody ever seen those pictures of the desert? Um, anybody ever been to the desert? Anybody been to the desert? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyone ever been to the desert like during the dry season? You know, it's when it's just rocks and Gila monsters. You know what a Gila monster is? It's that, it's that black and yellow lizard that, that has an actual poisonous tongue. You guys need to watch more Discovery Channel. It's, they're amazing. Apparently, a Gila monster, its spit, its breath, and its tongue are poisonous. How cool is that? Anyway, yeah, this is the crazy thing about the desert. <laughs> I'm just random this morning. I'm sorry. I'm incredibly, Holy Spirit, help us. Um, my filter's broken. It's starting to break. I can feel it breaking right now. It's disintegrating. But anyway, the desert can be just 
can be just a pile of rocks, it can be sand, and it can be heel monsters and lizards, and, and that's about it, until it rains. And have you guys seen pictures of the desert, or have you been in the desert after it rained? It's unbelievable. There's, I, I couldn't, couldn't get it to work. But there's this movie of the Mojave Desert, and it's absolutely stricken. It's, it's like, it's God forsaken. It's rocks, and it's lizards, and then it rains, and fields of flowers just emerge. It's unbelievable. Um, our mission field, the vineyard, is in Peru. And Peru, for the most part, is, it's a very strange nation. Peru has every climate on planet Earth except for tundra and Antarctic, okay? But every other climate, it has. It has tropical rainforest, it has desert, it has temperate forest, it has every other thing. And uh, one of the cities that we minister in, we planted a vineyard up in Arequipa, Peru, which is it's up in the high mountains. So we're talking high Andes. Uh, the city sets at 10,000 feet, okay? So when you step off the plane, you just do this for a little bit. And, but around the city are three giant volcanoes, and, they, and you can't even see the tops of them. They just go into the clouds. I mean, we're right there on the edge of the Andes, where the Andes go from big to enormous. And Arequipa is a desert, okay? There is no water in Arequipa. It's so dusty, but the skies are blue. It's actually really beautiful. But right in the middle, and Richard and I were, no, Richard, you didn't go with me on this trip, did you? But right in the middle of Arequipa um, is this river that runs out of the Andes, okay? It's, it's unbelievable. So right down the middle of Arequipa, a city of two million people, runs this enormous river right out of the Andes. And we're talking about rushing river. And it cuts the, cuts the city right in half. And everywhere this river grow, goes, it is green, it is verdant, there are trees, there are fields, there are fruit, there's abundance. And then as soon as you get beyond the river, it is dry, it is rocky. So here's the deal. One of the things that we're called to do is we're called to live, we're called to live lives that, that put water in, in desert hearts. And, and one of the things that means is, it means we're called to be a prophetic people because this is what I'm, I'm convinced of. You realize that when it rains in the desert, all the rain does is enable what was already there. It's a picture of the prophetic. It just, it just, it just encourages what was already there. The seeds were already there. The, 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 the fruit was already there. The, everything had already been planted except it just needed water. And one of the things we're called to do is to be a prophetic people who, who come along and encourage and enable and in water what, water what actually no one else can see. See, here's the deal. One of the things that the world wants to do is it wants to give up on people who aren't producing fruit. And one of the things that the kingdom of heaven requires is is it requires us to see the good that's underneath, even in a desert place, and to speak life into it until something emerges. That's one of the things the Lord wants to do this morning. He wants to to water desert hearts this morning. I just... That's the only thing I know for sure that he wants to do. He wants to water the desert heart. Let's look at verse 3 and then we'll kind of wrap up here for today anyway. So kingdom flow. A king reigns in righteousness. His rulers rule with justice. That looks like each man and each woman being a shelter from the wind, refuge from the storm, streams of water in the desert, shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then, here's the results, then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen, the mind of the rash will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. 
No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. See, here's the deal. The implication here in the scripture is, is that, that people who have eyes to see and who can see will keep them closed, and people who have ears to hear and can hear won't listen until the flow of the kingdom begins to extend into a community. Like people, one of the reasons that people, people who can see but won't look, one of the reasons that we have people in our community who can hear but won't listen is because kingdom righteousness and kingdom justice, we haven't allowed it to flow from the king onto us and we haven't become those people who are shelter and shade. See, one, one, the main answer for a community of people being the kind of people who are open eyes and open ear toward the Lord, it, it, it requires you and I to be people who are shelter and shade. To the extent that you and I are not shelter and shade, people will not see, people will not hear. You all see that? People will not see, people will not hear. See, I think it's no accident. Look back at verse 1. I think it's no accident that the prophet begins by saying, see a king. See a king. How do you see a king? How How do we expect the world to see the king? See, we can't expect the world to see a king that's based in message only. It has to be seeing the king that's based in being a porch rather than getting under a porch. Until, until our community here at the Vineyard, until our community here at the Vineyard becomes a porch rather than a community of people living under a porch, they won't see the king. It's just, it's just the way it works. See a king. <clears throat> see a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. And if you've got your Bibles out and you've got your pen, I just want you to underline that word justice. Because... Um, in biblical terms, the word justice, especially in the Old Testament, it has, to do with, it has to do specifically with seeing the poor, seeing the oppressed, seeing the widow, seeing the orphaned, and seeing the foreigner. Those are the five things that, 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 that justice has to do with. We have to be people who, who, who are continually and in ever-increasing ways taking on the cause of the poor, the oppressed, the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. Um, it was really awesome. You guys who were here last week, we took up that offering. We, we do that least of these offering every month. Um, that's one of the ways that our church wants to sow into, into the fatherless and the orphan and the widow and, and, and the people who are oppressed and the foreigner. And um, uh, last week we took up the offering and we were able to, we were able to help six guys uh, get their GED program going. And they're the guys who are, who are in detox over at the, over at the ARC program the detox little mission over there beside uh, holiday inn express yeah it's, it's it's kind of a detox program for alcoholics so yeah we just that's one of the ways we can sow into that now that's what we do as a church okay and every single month we take up the least of these offering it, it, it's really tied into this scripture but here's what the lord wants to do though or here's here's my heart on it as well it, when we take up the least of these offering at the end of the month you know that's awesome. That's good. We want to continue to do that. We want to continue to do that at an even greater level. But what the Lord's really, what the Lord's really after is, you know, the least of these offering at, at the end of the month, it's really just a model for each of us to implement into our own life. You know? It's really just a model. It's, it's just a model. It's a way for us to say, oh, you know, this, is, this isn't just something we do as a church family, but this is something that we do as church individuals. We look, we look, for, the, we look for, the, for the widow. We look for the orphan. We look for the fatherless that's what justice has to do with 
And when justice begins to um, rule in the land, um, look at verse 5, because this could be really good news. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. Um, This is the way the message puts it. No longer will fools become celebrities. I like that better, don't you? How many of you realize that in America right now, it is quite common for fools to become celebrities? Can I tell you why fools become celebrities? Because we live in a land that lacks justice. See, to the extent, to the extent that the church takes up the cause of the king with respect to justice, with respect to the poor, with respect to the needy, it, 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 it actually sets things to the point where, where people are known for, for who they really are and it actually disallows fools from becoming into a place of influence. See, if, if the king of righteousness, if his ways aren't demonstrated, if, uh, if the king of righteousness, if his ways aren't exercised in real life, then in the absence of that, in that vacuum, any old idiot can have power. So it's good news. So I just feel like one of the things the Lord wants to do this morning is he's calling, he's just calling our church family back to the table. And he's calling our church family um, back to the table of, of living our lives for other people, being solution, being a porch rather than just getting under a porch. Amen? Um, here's what I want to do this morning. If we can be, I, I want to, um, I just want to encourage the church to be really honest because I feel like the, what the Lord said this morning is, um, one of the things that he wanted to do was he wanted to water the desert heart. And um, I feel like there's probably several people in the room this morning uh, that when I say desert heart, you know who you are. Uh, anybody in here feel like, gosh, if I'm being really honest, I just have a desert heart right now. Anybody here got a desert heart? If you've got a desert heart, I want you to stand up. <clears throat> 